There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are in France, which means Tubi is more popular than cigarettes for breakfast. It's more popular than considering iced coffee a total abomination. More popular than loving political revolutions. More popular than mer and mer somehow being different words. Tubi, it's more popular than being French. See you in there. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Before we roll the audio on this PFT Live podcast, we want you to know that Mike Florio does an afternoon podcast. Why? To catch all the late-breaking news and developing stories in the NFL, of course. So you got to subscribe to PFT PM as well. Go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Art19, or Google Play. Search PFT PM and subscribe. Boom. Done. Thanks for the support. Now, stats. Another hour of the PFT Live podcast. Tuesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live, NBC Sports Radio, NBC. Hello to our friends in the UK and in Ireland enjoying the program on Sky Sports. Peter King in for a second straight day. He did not bail out on me after having to deal with me yesterday. Thank you for that. Sim's still on vacation. Who knows when he'll be back. But Peter, great to see you as always. We've had some fun so far. We had a little spirited Jameis Winston discussion. Let's see if we can have a spirited Tom Brady discussion. Hey, look, you know, I somebody uh, sent me a, um, a video from NFL Network yesterday saying, hey, here's why Robert Kraft did what he did. And here's why the Patriots agreed to it. And I'm thinking to myself, it's February 10th. Four weeks ago, I interviewed Kraft and he explained why he did what he did. What, what, what is this? What, what, what do you mean? Here's why he did what he did. I got an interview with Kraft. I'm looking at it right now. Anyway, whatever. But I think the biggest thing that ends up happening in cases like this, when when Tom Brady, you know, a mega star is going to go somewhere else, everybody in our business sort of has to provide this content and has to give their take on it. And I understand the way it is, but I don't think very much has changed, Mike, in the last month, uh, last five weeks, really, when Tom Brady uh, on that night in in Foxborough you know, basically stood at the podium and said, I'm going to play football somewhere next year. I just don't know where. Yeah, and nobody knows where. And look, I don't even know if he knows where at this point. The question is, when will he know? When will the Patriots know? When will the rest of us know? And the the the, the whole point is this. By the time free agency opens, it there's a chance it's going to be 
too late. There's a chance that he'll know where he's going to go. The Patriots need to know if he's coming back, Peter, because they need to find somebody else unless they're just going to hand the ball to Jared Stidham, right? There's an unprecedented array of veteran options available that could be evaporating quickly once the legal tampering window opens on March 16. So everyone involved in this needs to know yes or no, is he coming back to New England before that March 16 window opens. After that, that's when it gets a little bit interesting. And we touched on this last hour. Can Tom Brady really pull off a Reggie White type of a free agency tour? Remember Reggie White, the first big free agent. He was exempted from the franchise tag because he's one of the name plaintiffs in the in the uh, antitrust lawsuit that paved the way for true free agency, or at least as true as it's ever going to be in the NFL. And he went from city to city and town to town, and God told him to sign with the Packers, so he eventually did. Can Tom Brady really pull that off? Because you're going to have teams saying, hey, Tom, we need to know what you're going to do because we got somebody else lined up, and he's going to go somewhere else, right? Brady's the first domino, and it's a big, giant domino that's going to help figure out where all these other guys land. Could he really pull off making, and wouldn't that be the ultimate power move, Peter, making all these teams wait for him to decide what he's going to do before all these other dominoes begin to fall. You know, 26 years ago next month, Mike, I was on the plane with Reggie White and his agent, Jimmy Sexton, and, and also a friend of Reggie White's, Harry Galbraith, who was a guard. That was the Reggie White free agency tour. You know, we went to Cleveland. Uh, he went to Green Bay. I got off the plane, went to Dallas. Uh, and, you know, he he toured everything. And I'll never forget in Sports Illustrated, when I wrote this big story about basically the Reggie sweepstakes, we did sort of an ingenious thing with the cover. We had it be one of those fold-out covers, and you could cut out with scissors the uniform. There were all these uniforms with number 92 on it, and you could cut out the uniform of the team that you felt he was going to sign with, which was your guess. You know, they had the 49ers and the Browns and, you know, and the Packers and Washington and all these teams. And then you could put whatever you want on the cover with Reggie White. It was a riot. But that was huge in those days. And, and you know, Mike, when you were saying that, this thought occurred to me. What if Tom Brady, who knew that his Tom versus Time documentary with Gotham Chopra, which was so incredibly good, so well done, so inside. What if he knows how good that was? And what if he wants to do it again? And what if he tells teams, listen, I'm going to talk to you and I'm going to have this little courting period and I'm going to go around to see all these different teams. Um, but, and, and, you know, maybe the cameras don't go into the meetings but I'm just, and look, I have no idea. And I kind of doubt he would do it. But I'm saying that's what I thought about when you said, could there be this free agency tour? Remember the grainy footage of Peyton Manning, you know, back in 2012, when he was behind a gate about 200 yards away in Tempe, Arizona, at the Cardinals complex. And you're seeing, seeing him out there with Ken Wisenhunt, just having a conversation. Oh, look, Peyton's talking to Wisenhunt. You know, for a while, that was the biggest story in sports. So I don't know what he'll do. I don't know what his people will do. But again, you asked me the over-under of teams that he'll meet with, and I think it's over 1.5. And, you know, I said under at the time because I thought this would all be figured out ahead of time. But 
as you explain and as I remember the full depth and breadth of the Reggie White free agency tour, Tom Brady was 16 years old at the time, probably reading the Sports Illustrated article that you wrote with that (laughs) fold-out, hoping that maybe he'd come to the 49ers, Tom Brady's favorite team growing up, and then his top rival for the entire time of his career had that red carpet treatment everywhere he went. They lined up out the door for Peyton Manning, who was coming off of four neck surgeries, Peter. They still couldn't get enough of of Peyton Manning. You combine those two, uh, and you look at how Tom Brady has has behaved the last month, and I'm not passing judgment. I'm not saying he's in the wrong here. I mean, hell, if you've got the juice, if you've got the power, and you've waited 20 years to get to this point, and this is part of your of the beginning of the end of your career, if you can start the final few years of your career with an unprecedented free agency extravaganza where you do visit multiple teams, where you do take cameras with you, where it makes Reggie White and Peyton Manning look like small potatoes, there's going to be a strong temptation to do it, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I just remember Tom versus time. And I just, you know, to me, it was like curb your enthusiasm, where every week I'm on my, I'm on, you know, pins and needles waiting for the next episode, you know, and, and I was, that's the way I was. With the Tom versus time thing, it was so good, so timely, so interesting because it just showed sides of Brady that you just never saw before because he never let a camera in. And and I just feel like, and again, I have no idea what is going to happen, but I just think that Brady is kind of a modern guy when it comes to that way, a modern communicator. And when he owned his own content, in the Tom versus time thing. I mean, it worked out pretty well for him. And I think it changed the image that a lot of people had of him. Uh, and so, Peter, I, I I think that what we have here, and this has been a far more useful discussion than I ever would have envisioned. But when you consider his history, NFL history, his rivalry with Peyton Manning, and everything that we've seen, like so much is kind of hiding in plain sight with this. There's two phases. Yeah. Is he going to go back to the Patriots? That's phase one. I think as a practical matter, that's the ship that has to sail before March the 16th. You either sign with the Patriots or you embark on the Reggie White, Peyton Manning free agency tour. I don't think the Patriots are still in play once the boat's out of the harbor. Do you agree with me on that? Probably. Probably, but I can I, I'm just going to say this, Mike. I don't think in this particular case that anything is set in stone, but I do have a pretty good feeling that we'll probably get to March 12th or 13th and know if there's any chance he's going to go back to the Patriots. And, and it's been reported, you've mentioned this before on the program, Adam Schefter said that the Patriots want to know before free agency begins because that that's when, and, and it, it's not the start of free agency, it's March 16th. The legal tampering period, because what happens, and I mentioned this before, but you need to understand this, folks. What happens is teams will start calling agents immediately. They've got their list of positions where they're looking for players. They have their ranking one through however many, and they call the first guy and they say, here's our offer for your client. Yes or no. I need to know right now. Why do you need to know right now? Because we're moving on to the next guy. If you say no before that guy agrees to terms with someone else, that's how quickly it all moves. 
And the Patriots, if they're going to have to replace Tom Brady, again, unless they're fine with Jared Stidham, if the float chart for New England, Peter, is very simple, Tom Brady, yes, then we have him. Tom Brady, no, it's Jared Stidham. They could wait for Tom Brady if that's the case. But if they want to go out and sign someone, they, they, uh, you know, they're not going to want to wait around for Tom Brady to make a decision unless they decide to, you know, there's a chance that Tom Brady causes the whole process because of the importance of the quarterback position. Maybe everybody who has a shot at Tom Brady just just tables everything. You get a moratorium on all quarterback contracts until Brady picks a team. I mean, anything's possible, Mike, and and it's also possible that you know by Brady picking a team, it's possible to me that that only exacerbates the process because what happens if he picks uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, and and now all of a sudden. That, you know, if the Raiders cannot convince Derek Carr to be a good soldier and to sit for a couple of years, and I doubt they would anyway, they'd probably just let him go uh, or, or try to get something from for him, obviously. Um, if that happens, then Derek Carr goes into the pool. And in essence, you've replaced one quarterback who probably is a starter somewhere, uh, Derek Carr, with another quarterback who's maybe the greatest quarterback of all time, but that still means that the pool hasn't been reduced by one. It's even Steven. So, I I mean, there's so many things that could happen with Brady, but even Brady signing somewhere may mean that there has not been any dilution of the product of quarterback in 2020. You know, there may be some people out there saying, why are you spending so much time talking about this guy who's going to be 43 in August? His best years are behind him. Look, he's still got an extremely high level of skill and ability. We've seen that. He didn't have the help around him this past year, but he can still play at a high level. He is one of the best quarterbacks, if not the very best quarterback in the history of the game, and he's intent on playing for three more years. And wherever he goes, Peter... The tickets are going to be sold out. The suites are going to be sold out. The jerseys are not going to be able to make them fast enough. This guy's still one of the top sellers with his jersey, even though every Patriots fan who was ever going to buy one of these damn things keeps buying them. You put him on a new team, can you imagine? Can you imagine how many Brady jerseys are going to be sold in the first day? It's, it's going to well, take a month to fill all the, the orders. Raiders. Especially if it's the Raiders. Like, if it's the Chargers, okay, I mean, people are going to buy that jersey. If it's the Raiders, people around the world are going to buy the jersey. And so my feeling is that, and look, I don't know. I mean, if it's the Bucks, how many people buy it versus the Raiders? I have no idea. And I'm sure Tom Brady doesn't give two hoots. But I just think that there are so many dominoes that could fall. I was joking with another uh, pro football writer the other day. I said, do not take a March vacation this year. (laughs) <laughs> Not do it, uh, you know, because because your March is going to be like your January. That's all there is to it. It's usually that, OK, you work a little bit around free agency and then, you know, for a couple of weeks, you you take it easy and then go to the league meetings. But now this time it's going to be mayhem throughout the month. Well, and one of the aspects of the mayhem that is going to unfold in March will be in New Orleans. Step one, what's Drew Brees going to do? Is he retiring or playing for the Saints? Step two, 
Where will Taysom Hill be? We talked about Taysom Hill yesterday, and we both wrote about Taysom Hill. People lost their minds about Taysom Hill. Folks, you need to wake up to the fact <laughs> this guy's a potential franchise quarterback, and he's going to be in play. We're going to talk about him next on PFT Live. I definitely view myself as as a franchise quarterback. You know, um, I, I think as as you look at you know the other questions and is it New Orleans? Is it somewhere else? Like I, as you go into free agency, this is the, the time that you start to mm. find out how people view you. And you know, we haven't gotten into free agency long enough to really know how how these guys view me. And and we'll we'll just uh, handle it as it comes. That's a little Taysom Hill from Super Bowl week with Rob Motti of the Associated Press. Hill made the rounds. The mere fact that he was available to talk to reporters tells you he's thinking about his next play, whether it is in New Orleans or somewhere else. And Peter, we discussed this yesterday, your comments with uh, your conversation rather with Sean Payton and Payton's thoughts on what may happen with Taysom Hill if and when a restricted free agency tender is applied. Would a team give up? a first-round pick, or at least be willing to give up a first-round pick to sign to an offer sheet with the Saints match it. Look, embedded in all this is the great unknown. Will Taysom Hill be an effective quarterback if if and when he's playing on a full-time basis? Well, he sure as hell sounds like a guy who believes that he can be a franchise quarterback, and Sean Payton's compared him to Steve Young in the past, and the Saints view him as a successor to Drew Brees. I, I You know, look, I, I'm betting on the the over here, that Hill is going to be a great quarterback when he gets the chance. I understand it's a limited sample size, but what we've seen from him from time to time, Peter, when he's on the field and they're using him, he, he, he's a man among boys. Yeah, I mean, this is this really complicates this free agency season, Mike, because there just simply isn't a lot of, uh, a lot of proverbial uh, coaches tape on Taysom Hill. And, you know, when I look at that play that we're showing on the screen right now, obviously it's fantastic. But I also once saw Tim Tebow throw a touchdown pass to beat the Dick LeBeau Steelers and Troy Palomalo in overtime in the playoffs. And again, I'm not comparing them. I think Taysom Hill is a significantly better quarterback, passer of the football than Tim Tebow was. But having said that, there still isn't a lot to know about Taysom Hill, the quarterback. Taysom Hill, the gadget player, you know, he's one of the best in NFL history and, and clearly in the top five who've ever played the game as far as being a gadget player. But now you have to ask yourself, is somebody this offseason going to uh, make such an offer for him that the Saints won't match and give him a chance to be their quarterback? And look, there's all sorts of weird, uh, you know, rumors and 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 unfounded crapola out on the internet right now and out in the world right now. Oh, the Patriots are going to sign him. Oh, the Ravens are going to sign him, or or whoever. But I think the key thing is, if I'm Taysom Hill, I'd rather go back to New Orleans for one year and take my chances in a quieter market in 2020 unless some team says you've got more than a 50-50 chance to win our starting quarterback job. I mean, the only the only exception for that, the only one is if Bill Belichick signed me to a 3-year offer sheet 
and said, you're going to have every chance to win the job. Are you going to win it? I made no guarantees. If you're the best guy, you'll play. That would be tempting if I were Taysom Hill. First of all, I just have to say this. I, I am not a fan of unfounded crapola. I want my crapola to be very well-founded <laughs> and firmly rooted. That's how I take my crapola. Good. good. Uh, <laughs> that didn't sound very good. Uh, so so um, here's the thing about Taysom Hill. I agree with you. It's a crowded house this time around. If there's a way you can bump it to 2021, now you got to worry about the franchise tag if you stay one more year in New Orleans. But, hey, there's worse things that could happen to a guy than being franchise tag. I think that that Sean Payton gives him the best chance to reach his ceiling, whatever it may be. And when Sean Payton compares the guy to Steve Young, and Sean Payton does not have a reputation for engaging in gratuitous, unfounded crapola hyperbole, I take notice. When he said that in August, Peter, that got my attention. That, that, that they, they have a vision that this guy can be a Steve Young. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I want to see what he can do. And with Sean Payton, he's going to do more than he can do with anyone else. Here's the thing about playing for Sean Payton, okay? Especially if Drew Brees isn't there. And, and let's say Teddy Bridgewater is, and they go with Teddy Bridgewater and, uh, and, and Taysom Hill. The thing is that Sean Payton is going to play Taysom Hill more and more in his offense in 2020, whether it's Bridgewater, whether it's Breeze, whoever, because Sean Payton needs to know the answer to these questions, Mike. Go back and look at his preseason game against the Chargers last year. When Taysom Hill played a lot of that game and he was excellent. And after that game, he had some people with the Chargers saying, this guy is a real starter in the NFL. Hey, maybe they make a run at him. Well, it's all to be determined. We'll be back with more right after this. Uh, shoot, I, shoot. We, we know. I mean, you know, shoot. Uh, if you shoot, I'll tell you. I mean, shoot. I mean, shoot. But, uh, well, shoot. 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 I don't care if you hand to me. It's kind of like, hey, shoot. I'd have been saying, shoot, shoot. I had no doubt. I was like, dead gummy. Shoot. We're going to, let's get better. Shoot. The defense stepped up big. I said, shoot. Let's go. Shoot. Golly gosh darn. Phillip Rivers moving on from the LA Chargers. The Chargers moving on from Phillip Rivers. So, our next topic where will Phillip Rivers go next? Draft style. The ideal landing spots for Phillip Rivers as he continues his career for the first time ever with a team other than the Chargers. Although, although, if you recall, he was a member of the New York Giants for a very, very brief sliver of history on draft day in 2004 before he was swapped to the Chargers for Eli Manning. Eli, the first pick, Phillip Rivers, the fourth pick that year. All right, trivia question to determine the first pick in this draft. Peter King, Philip Rivers won't be back with the Chargers next year after 16 years and more than 59,000 passing yards in his career. Only four players have more passing yards for one team than Philip Rivers has with the Chargers. Name three players who have more than 59,000 passing yards with one team. Uh, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning. So close. I oh, missed with Manning. No. You missed with Peyton because he was with the Colts and the Broncos. Didn't have enough time with the Colts to get 59,000 yards. Brett Favre with the Packers and Dan Harvard. Marino. Yeah. And with and Dan Marino with the Miami Dolphins, the only team that he ever played for 1984. Well, dad gummit, Mike. Gosh, 
darn shoot. All right, I get the first pick. Uh, and th- look, this isn't easy. None of these are easy because there is no obvious team that's to me that's going to say, here, Philip, here are the keys and the 25 to $35 million for 2020 that goes along with it. You're our guy. We're not going to draft anybody. We're, we're not bringing you in to be the backup. You're not in danger of, of being benched. You're not going to have to compete for the job. You're our guy. I don't know who that would be. But to me, the one, if any, that stand out would be the Indianapolis Colts. All due respect to Jacoby Brissett and Brian Hoyer, but th- there's a difference between them and Phillip Rivers. Not that Phillip Rivers is going to make anyone forget about Andrew Luck, but if you can get a couple of years out of Phillip Rivers and and thrust the Colts back to some degree of prominence, I think there's something to be said. And Chris Ballard, the GM of the Colts, was very candid after the season ended that they have to get better. Look, it was a disappointment for the Colts. They went from 5-2 and two to 7-9, and nine, I believe. And you know, Jacoby Brissett's had his chance, and it didn't work. And uh, that doesn't mean you get rid of him. Favorable contract. But maybe Phillip Rivers for a year is what you need right now if you're the Colts. I think that's a good one, Mike. You, you semi-stole that. I was either going to do that or the team I'm going to pick, which is the Carolina Panthers under... New coach, Matt, don't call me Ja Rule. Um, I think the biggest thing about the Colts is that, you know, it would be a projection for Phillip Rivers. And I think he's going to want to go to a team that uh, that he's confident that he's going to win the starting job. And right now, I think the, uh, uh, the Carolina Panthers have major doubts about whether they're going to bring Cam Newton back if they don't. I think a marriage of Joe Brady, the young Joe Brady, and uh, Philip Rivers with a burgeoning, young, but but growing receiving core and, you know, the best all-around running back in football, I think would be a real tonic for Philip Rivers right now. Yeah, and and look, I, I think that, and, and you know, this idea that Cam Newton may not be back with the Panthers, that's one of those things that people are starting to kind of slowly waking up to, but I don't think Cam Newton will be back, and and maybe it is Cam Newton gets traded to the Chargers and Phillip Rivers, as a practical matter, gets traded to the Panthers, although the Panthers don't have to give up anything to get him since he's free and clear on the open market. But that would be a nice little kind of stopover as they figure out what's next. You have Christian McCaffrey in his prime. That would help Phillip Rivers. The offensive line may not be what he's looking for, but when you have Christian McCaffrey, that helps take some of the heat off of the passing game. So I like that one. All right, for me, um, I love a good story. And there would be no better story. And I don't, I, 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 I don't know that there would be no better story than this, but Phillip Rivers to the Raiders, I would love that so much for a variety of reasons. First of all, Derek Carr was a little presumptuous building a house next door to John Gruden in Las Vegas, as if that's going to guarantee Derek Carr a year with the Las Vegas Raiders. He hasn't played well enough to have that guaranteed. I could see Phillip Rivers be a guy that, John Gruden looks at and says, hey, I can, you know, we can iron out some of these rough spots. Uh, we can stick it to the Chargers. We can compete. He knows the division. He knows the personnel. I love the idea of the Raiders picking up Phillip Rivers if there's no one else out there that they would regard as an available and acceptable upgrade to Derek Carr. But I think they have to be looking for someone better than Derek Carr. You know, Mike, I'm going to throw a little upset into this, and I'll take the New England Patriots next. And... 
you know, but I think this will be the New England Patriots with a little bit of an asterisk. And that is this. So the Patriots pick 23rd overall. And the Patriots, I think, long-term realize they have to invest in a quarterback. And again, because I really don't know what's going to happen to Andy Dalton. And I've been saying for a month, he makes a lot of sense for the Patriots. And he does. But I have no idea if Mike Brown, he's got a year left on his contract. Will Mike Brown even trade him? I don't know. Will he release him? I doubt it. But Phillip Rivers to the Patriots makes sense if they accompany this pick with either committing to Jared Stidham on the other side of Rivers or with the 23rd pick in the first round, maybe they take a, a Jordan Love type. You know, the Utah State quarterback who was up and down in his college career was getting a lot of, no pun intended, love before the Senior Bowl this year. And to me, that makes a lot of sense. Get an insurance policy for the next year or two while you develop the long-term quarterback. Yeah, I like that one. And look, I think that that Philip Rivers may be a guy who, you know, I, maybe he'd be willing to wait and see. And may, maybe whether he's willing to or not, th there's a chance he will be available if and when the Patriots realize Tom Brady's not going to be there and if and when the Patriots realize that other options aren't going to be viable. <clears throat> Philip Rivers becomes a Band-Aid for a year, two at the most, while they figure out their post-Tom Brady plan. I, I think that is attractive because it gives them almost like a safety school where they have that guy that they know they can bring in and they can try to make chicken salad out of the situation while they figure out what comes next. I don't know that there would be a land rush for Phillip Rivers uh, sparked by New England, but but Phillip Rivers having his name called for the home opener at Gillette Stadium, I think the reaction will be a lot more positive than if it were be, to be an Andy Dalton or really anyone else. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with the Bears. Peter, you mentioned the Bears last hour. I'm kind of stealing your thought on the Bears. I, I think, I don't know that you can sell Rivers on this unless Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace uh, say to Phillip, hey, you know, we're, we're going to give Mitch a chance here, but, uh, you know, uh, we don't really believe. We just need to go through the motions for a few weeks of the regular season just to confirm that uh, having this fire lit under his butt isn't going to make a difference. I just don't know that Phillip, you know, the more I talk about it, I'm kind of talking myself out of it because I don't think Phillip Rivers is going to want it. But if he wants to stay in the NFL, this may be his only option. There may not be that team that says, you're our guy from day one. Here's the money. Here's the keys to the offense. You don't have to compete with anyone. You don't have to sit and wait. And uh, uh, it, it may be that uh, if he really wants to stay in the NFL, that this is what he's going to have to accept. Mike, the reason why that makes so much sense really is because you know, he could look at himself as sort of an Earl Morrill, you know, as sort of a George Blanda, you know, a guy who in his last year or two goes to a team, not that those guys went to a team, they were already there, but a guy who plays for a team that is kind of Super Bowl ready and they just have a problem or an injury at quarterback. That makes the most sense to me. The only problem that I see with Chicago is that Matt Nagy, probably other than Andy Reid and Brett Veach, this is just, I, I'm guessing, there may not be a person in professional football that Matt Nagy is closer to than Chase Daniel. You know, he, they're, they're, they're very close, uh, you know, on and off the field. And so I just look at this thing and I basically say, essentially, that it's going to take a real leap 
for for Matt Nagy to go to somebody else other than Chase Dean. And not saying he won't do it. My third pick is going to be Tampa Bay because I think that Bruce Arians has experience with older veteran quarterbacks. He loves them. And Bruce Arians knows, hey, listen, I've got a year, maybe two left, you know, doing this job. I want to have the best possible chance with a very good offense and two great receivers. I want to have a very good chance to make a Super Bowl. And my best chance, better than Jameis Winston, is with Phillip Rivers. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that if they decide they don't want Jameis Winston. That's the threshold determination that, you know, it's not like they've announced he won't be back like the Chargers have done with Phillip Rivers. So we watch and wait to see what happens with the Buccaneers and Jameis Winston. One other team that I thought about, Peter, give me your thoughts on this. How about the Tennessee Titans? if it doesn't work out with Ryan Tannehill. I've always thought that Phillip Rivers made sense in Tennessee post-Mariota. The problem is Tannehill was so good last year uh, that that thought had kind of slid off the radar screen. But if they can't work something out where they keep Tannehill, does Phillip Rivers make sense in Nashville? Absolutely. And I think, first of all, not only would Mike Vrabel love him, but... Rivers would be extremely motivated to do this because I don't have a map in front of me. That's probably the closest NFL franchise uh, to his home. And maybe other than Charlotte, I don't know. He's from the very northern part of Alabama, and I should know my geography a little bit better than that. But those two franchises, I think, especially because he went to North Carolina State, those two franchises, I think he'd be motivated to go to one of those two, because to him, it would feel like home. Well, uh, he plans to play for up to two more years, no more than two more years. We'll see who lines up for Philip Rivers in the coming days, weeks, and months. He won't be a free agent, though, until the middle of March. He's not available now, but he will be available when free agency begins. When we return, something happened 28 years ago today that changed the history of two franchises forever. We'll discuss that when we conclude this Tuesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. Drafted by the Falcons, yes, the Falcons in 1991. Brett Favre, coached by Jerry Glanville, was traded the following year to the Green Bay Packers. Ron Wolf, who was with the Jets when Favre was drafted and very much wanted to get Favre to the Jets, he got Favre to the Packers, and the rest, of course, is history. Uh, just amazing that it worked out that way. A first-round pick to the Falcons for Brett Favre. Favre became the starter during the 1992 season when Don Mikowski got injured. Never looked back until he retired in 2008 and the Packers barricaded the door with furniture to keep him from coming back and eventually traded him to the Jets, (laughs) who cut him. He went to the Vikings for two years. One of the all-time greats. Uh, And, and, uh, you know, look, it was an ugly ending. And, and that's okay. It happens. You know, um, I can't help but wonder whether or not Tom Brady and the Patriots are destined for a, a similar kind of ugliness. Not the same way where Favre tries to come back, but this is more Brady trying to get out and the Patriots hoping he stays. You know, Mike, I'll never forget when Brett Favre in 2008, you know, said that he was retiring in March. Two months later... I'm washing my dog 
in my driveway at my home in New Jersey. And the phone rings and it's Favre. And he basically says, I'm thinking about coming back. What do you think the repercussions will be? And I just said, I, you know, hey, do what you do, what you, you think is best, obviously. But one of the things that you should know is that every kid who's got a poster of Brett Favre on his wall up in Ashwaubenon, Wisconsin, is going to rip it off, rip it down and throw it in the fireplace, especially if you go play for the Vikings. So, you know, whatever. And and I think I just think I don't know this. When Brett Favre originally went to the Packers, when that trade happened, obviously nobody knew it could happen. But Ron Wolf, who made that happen, the previous year with the New York Jets in the draft, said that the number one player on his board, period, was Brett Favre. That's who he wanted to draft above everybody. It turns out that Favre got picked right above the Jets in the second round. They had to take Browning Nagel. And Wolf just simply couldn't get over it. And when he ended up trading for him the next year, obviously it turned out to be one of the great trades in NFL history. Boy, Browning Nagel, there's a name you never hear. Brett Favre, Browning Nagel. One becomes one of the greatest of all time. One is barely a footnote in the dustbin of NFL history. I remember Browning Nagel playing at Louisville in the late 80s. Uh, but uh, yes, Brett well, Favre Mike, turned out to Mike, be he, much speaking better. Of that, sp- speaking of that, how about the quarterback who was drafted before Tom Brady in 2000? Spurgeon Wynn. So, I mean, there's all sorts of fun things in NFL history hey. that happen, you know, when when you know, when some great player gets picked after guys who you're right have been assigned to the dustbin of history. Spurgeon Wynn reminds me of one of the all-time great lines from the series Eastbound and Down, a line that cannot be uttered here. You'll have to Google it or rely on your own memory. And if you know what I'm talking about, I hope you're having a good laugh right now. It was Spurgeon Wynn. It was the whole Brady Six, right? T. Martin, wasn't he one of the Brady Six? Mark Bulger, one of the Brady Six. It really is amazing. It's amazing how that continues to motivate guys deep into their career. But, you know, Favre never really had a chip on his shoulder about anything. He was just a guy who just wanted to play football. I mean, that was a great thing about Favre. He, 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 and that recklessness hurt him at times, but he, he didn't want to do anything but show up and play football. The hell with practice, the hell with film study. I just want to go play football because I know I can make things happen. And he did. You know, he was late for a Saturday night meeting before a home game once. Not late by a lot, but a little bit. And he was late because he had been in a deer stand all day. And, you know, he left the morning uh, walkthrough meeting at the Packers at Lambeau Field. He went into this deer stand lost track of time and just got there a little bit late. And who could be mad at Favre, uh, you know, at those moments in his life? He was in a deer stand. He's in Wisconsin. Isn't that what people are supposed to do in Wisconsin in October? That's what he was doing. He was the perfect quarterback for that moment in time. For the analytics crowd, he probably would have driven some people crazy because of his carelessness. But over time, he became the most beloved figure in my opinion, in the history of the Packers. And look, guys might be idolized more, but I'm saying as far as people who got rooted for and who the locals just fell in love with, I think it's far over anybody who ever played for the Packers. 
I think it's fitting that we're having this conversation to wrap a show during which you rattled off all of the interception numbers of Jameis Winston, Peter, because the one record (laughs) that Brett Favre is never going to lose as much as he hopes it will go away is all-time interceptions. No one is coming close to that one. He never threw 30 with his contract up in the air. That's the one thing I'll (laughs) say about Favre. (laughs) <laughs> 336 Peter 336 uh and uh you know and look it was worth it because he would do the spectacular far more often than not and he he tested the limits and then some of what he was capable of doing that's the big difference between him and Patrick Mahomes to to put a button again on what we've seen out right. of Mahomes he's Favre without that that just hint of recklessness he knows how to stay within the boundaries that Favre would jump over from time to time and and he's got a coach who's going to listen to him and just understand it's Patrick Mahomes who called the third and 15 play on the sidelines and I'm not sure that Favre ever did that with Mike Holmgren all right great day Peter thanks for two days we'll see everybody back here on Wednesday the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keep for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand